You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. Hi, I'm Charles Stanton. I'm on the faculty of the Honors College at UNLV and the Boyd School of Law. I'm Lana Weatherald. I'm a third-year law student. And welcome to Social Justice. Social Justice, a conversation. A conversation. Well, good evening, everybody, and happy Thursday again. I'm joined by Professor Charles Stanton. As always, this is Lana Weatherald. And tonight, of course, I think we should begin with, unfortunately, what it seems like we almost always begin our show with is another mass shooting. Um, the details on this one are a little bit different. Um, this this is a transgender um, individual who who was the perpetrator of this crime. This happened in a Christian school. Um, we have six total um, victims here, three of which were children, three of which were adults. Um, I, I think there's very little left to say that the professor and I haven't already said, but it it is remiss if we don't honor these victims and at least speak about the just abhorrent tragedies that seem to keep reoccurring and reoccurring in our country. And so with that, I'm going to pass it over to the professor. Yes. Thank you, Lana. Good evening, everybody. Um, what troubled me, <laughs> I, I, I become like a broken record, what troubled me in, in uh, assessing this uh, carnage that happened in Nashville, Tennessee is when the Republican senators and, and, and Congress people uh, were approached about uh, that this was another mass shooting, uh, that uh, there needs to be some kind of conversation at least, a conversation about how we can in some way um, create a limit on high-powered weaponry for our citizens uh, you could tell when they spoke to uh, people in the House of Representatives and particularly Lindsey Graham in the Senate, uh, the complete disinterest in any kind of uh, uh, workable reform of the gun laws. Uh, the, the, these people uh, are owned lock, stock, and barrel, body, mind, and soul, by the gun lobby, by the donor class, by the people who guarantee them re-election term after term because they, they fund them to the, to the hilt. And unless you have a similar uh, organization or, or fundraising uh, uh, operation, you have no chance to, to get elected. Uh, it's people like Charles Grassley, basically, who have been there for decades uh, and they just have no interest in doing anything. So what you're seeing now basically in our government is you're seeing two governments. You're seeing the ostensible government, which is the president and, and part of the Congress that is trying to make some kind of, of reform so children do not keep getting massacred. Um, it was very interesting in watching the... Uh, uh, coverage of the of this uh, mass murder was uh, a Mrs. Beasley who uh, as they were winding up the press conference confronted all the reporters and basically she she told the truth that we all know but was rarely expressed so powerfully 
And she said, you know, she says, we're going to keep doing this. She says, I was at Highland Park. I, I and my son were almost killed. And I'm visiting family down here. And we're, and we're starting out again with, with the, same, the same playbook. And I, I don't know what has happened to our country that these issues are met just with disinterest when you have children and innocent people uh, being killed. These are the same people who are always inveighing against the woman's right to choose. Well, this is all, yeah, yeah, it's all connected, Professor. In my mind, um, you saw a, and I do do not remember the senator's name, and you know what, I'm not even going to give him the airtime of giving his name, but he said something so abhorrent and god-awful, he was asked about it, um, and he said, you know, what if this was your daughter? And his response to the reporter was, I homeschool my children. Well, this is part of it. They want to, you. they want normal, everyday people to be so scared to send their child to public school that mom's got to stay home, keep women out of the workforce and keep them at home, because then they can't go to school where they get shot. Uh, I I really think that all plays a role. I think it's all interconnected. Um, and I think what Mrs. Beasley said is 100% right. This will keep happening. I don't believe as long as the NRA is in existence that politicians will stop taking NRA money. Um, I think this will continue to happen. This will continue. The only thing that I think will change this, and I want to be careful with how I word this because what happened was so god-awful and I don't... The, I'm seeing now sort of a call um, because this shooter was transgender um, for transgender people to be sort of cut away from access to rifles, just from the Republican Party in general. But but it does cause me to 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 wonder what if who the Republican Party deems an undesirable. This is going to be minorities, women, even children, but especially, especially lately, people in the LGBT community. If they all were legally carrying firearms and they all of a sudden were the people fighting for gun rights, I'm talking gay people, black people, and women, all of a sudden were the people that were the big proponents of gun control, my guess is the change tunes, with the, the tune changes within the Republican Party. I, I believe that there is going to be some fear stoked um, within that old guard, within that old white male guard, uh, if the people they don't want have to have guns start having guns. And I know that that's kind of a crazy call to action, right? Go get strapped if you're a, you know, a minority. But that scares the heck out of them. The idea that they could then use those weapons in the same way all those crazy white men do would would be fear stoking. So I, I don't I don't wonder if there's something to be thought of for arming sort of the people in this country that have faced the most oppression. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Food for thought. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting and like and and the man, one of the congressmen was saying, well, he says it's not the gun, it's just evil. Okay. There's always going to be evil people. Right. And this person that committed this crime um this person was was emotionally and mentally disturbed. There were all kinds of warning signs that this person should not have had a gun. Now, how this person um, wound up with seven weapons. Yeah, from what I've seen online, it appears that the FBI was even aware of Mm -hmm. this individual. And I don't know if she was on a watch list or what have you, but it it certainly seems that the FBI was aware of this individual. So it just, you you wonder. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, but, but clearly... And what's interesting, which which I didn't know, apparently, regarding background checks in some states, 
There, there, there are provisions. There's like a, if, if you go into say like a gun store and you want to buy a weapon and there's a three-day waiting period right. because they have to uh, you know, go over your record. In some states, if the three days expires without the uh, uh, background check being completed, you automatically get the benefit of the doubt and you get the gun. You get the gun. So that's another craziness. Yeah. You know, but but it's it's um what I was seeing and, and watching uh, the the reports on it was a disinterest and an indifference. And I, the only and I, interest I thought I saw was in vilifying her sexuality and her gender and, and vilifying the idea of yeah. her being a trans woman. And so I think what I want to do, because we've talked about the same gun safety stuff mm. over and over and over again, and I don't think we're going to see change as long as the NRA is existence, is I want to make sure that we are going to, in this show, trying to protect the violence that I believe will ensue on right. trans people because of this. Right. Um, I've already seen the rhetoric. I've already seen the vitriol mm. that people are holding mm. because of this person being trans yeah. um, and saying it's an attack on Christianity. Mm. It's an LGBT attack on Christianity. I mean, that's very much the mm. kind of narratives I'm seeing pushed by the Republican yeah. Party. I just want to be careful that on this show, I let everybody know that I, you know, do not, do not believe that this had anything to do with the gender or sexuality no. of this individual and had to no. do with evil in their heart, right? I, I think um, this was a person who who was emotionally troubled. Right, exactly. Uh, what, what, what stood out to me also is... Uh, that you had this woman who was talking to the press about what had happened, and then and then uh, you had uh, on Tuesday you had the man who was the chaplain of the Senate, uh, who was uh, he's a person of color. He was a rear admiral in the Navy for many years, and he became the chaplain for the Senate, basically calling out the Senate, which I have never heard before ever. In, in in my knowledge of, of, you know, how things work vis-a-vis people who are, uh, you know, uh, ministers or rabbis in that right. context, saying basically that the time is over. He says, you know, he says, prayer is great. It's great to pray. It's great to deliberate. But at a certain point, you have to move forward. Right. You have to act. And he says there's kind of like a, a I don't know, like a, just like a static uh, uh, atmosphere there where basically there's a whole bunch of issues that should be being debated and evaluated and they're just off the table. Right. And this is even this is even with the Democrats having uh, a narrow majority. Uh, when you had uh, the Democratic majority in the House, it was still that way. Right. And you can't get you can't get any kind of consensus. And and, and that and that you know that, that those attitudes um, you know, uh, move on to, to the issue, uh, which is not, you know, the murder of innocent people, but uh, how we take care of our poor. Oh, that is yeah. the murder of innocent people. <laughs> Make no mistake about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, with, 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 in a different way, of course, with Medicaid. So, yeah. so now, basically... I think that's a great segue. No, yeah. how we treat Medicaid is the yeah. murder of innocent people. So, so now there are 40 states that have expanded Medicaid. Okay. And uh, in Mississippi now, uh, and nine other states, uh, there's a certain weird dynamic going on. Uh, the, the, the government, the government, the federal government, has with all the rest of the states worked out a plan 
where basically they can expand Medicaid. Right. You can get uh, aid to all these people who are needy, uh, and the government will pick up ninety percent of the cost, so that so that all that's left for the uh, the, the states to uh, uh, provide is the other ten percent. So we see in in the case of Mississippi now, where they turn down the money. <laughs> they don't want the money. So I ask myself... One of the poorest states in the union. Yeah, yeah. The, the, one of the usual suspects. Right. Arkansas, Mississippi. Mississippi yeah. Uh, and I'm saying to myself, well, why would they do that? Why would they do... Why would they be uh, 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 making a decision like that? And I, I'm only forced to reach one conclusion. Now, I may, I may be wrong and I may be speaking out of turn. Could it be the... Racial composition of that kind of, of, of the yep. poor in their state yes. would would that could that possibly yes. be a reason? Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any other, other reason, reason for it. Hundred percent, you know, uh, because you know, if they are receiving adequate medical medical care, which we know strong Medicaid policies equal stronger medical care, right? right? And we know that more doctors are willing to practice when they know they are getting paid at the end of the day. Right. So you see, then, well, then these people don't have these comorbidities; they're not dying yeah. if they get COVID. Well, they all of a sudden can afford their life saving cancer treatment, or they. So of course, of course, because then they become active members of society that are then not held down by some debilitating, both physically and mm. and financially, disease. Yeah, uh, yeah. which I'm sure. I would venture to guess Mississippi is the highest rates of obesity, the highest rates of heart there. disease, have highest. I would I would venture to guess that that's all true. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that 100 percent they want to keep them poor, keep them unhealthy, keep them down and do not allow for social mobility, which mm. good health does. Yeah. And, and, and of course, all the other all the other nine states are the same usual Most suspects, suspects right? where people have um, very bad health outcomes. Uh, it reminds me uh, a lot of what was going on during the AIDS crisis. Yes, you know where basically uh, it, it was immoral or amoral that these people were sick because they were involved in activities that were against the laws of God, what God, whatever, or, or right. whatever you want to say. And so, for a number of years, um, nothing was done as far as research or development or anything. And the disease basically had a 10-year head start. Yeah. Uh, when you see the film Philadelphia, um, that actually in, in many ways has, uh, has echoes today where there's this judgment of people. It's like in certain states where they want to deny, they want to deny uh, health care to transgender children. I mean, that's the most ludicrous thing I ever heard of. Yep. It's a child. It's an illness. An illness is an illness. Your job in society and, and not just uh, as a physician, but as somebody who's an administrator or, or a leader, is to is to be in, in, in involved in the care of people who are sick. Sickness and illness does not have a race. It does not have a color. It has. It is a matter of, of scientific principles and healthcare principles. And it's amazing how these people have like taken over in these states mm -hmm. with all this crazy stuff. I mean that. I mean that's just that. That's just part of it. And then and then the books are the other part of it. Right. Where uh, uh, not not just in Florida, but certainly mostly uh, in Florida. mostly in Florida, <laughs> where all these books are being taken off. And I didn't know this till till last night. I was watching the news that in a number of the cases where the books have been taken off the shelf in various school districts. They weren't reviewed. 
they weren't reviewed, and it was one complainant. Yes. So somehow, if if we presume that most people were okay with it, one person can basically, flood the system. Yeah. Bog it down with right. reviews and keep books on, and and those books may come back on the shelf, but it may be ten years before they come back yeah. on the shelf, and they go through some whatever quote unquote independent reviewal process. BS, I'm sure, but yeah. that's going to be the reality of it. Yeah. Is that it's going to be one loon, one absolute lunatic who's going to bombard the system mm-hmm. with? Uh, uh, just for those of you who do not know and are not keeping up to date on Ron DeSantis's ban on books and movies in Florida, mm-hmm. Ruby Bridges, the Ruby. Disney movie, yeah, was yeah. the most recent ban in. Florida. Um, If anybody can point out to me where Ruby Bridges would somehow infiltrate the youth to believe in whatever (laughs) they think we believe in, uh, please let me know. Uh, I just, it's so beyond me. It is so beyond me. Well, they they don't, what they don't want is they don't want the history taught. Right. I mean, that's really the bottom line. And all these things, you know, all the things uh, that went on uh, in the history of our country uh, whether it's Ruby Bridges or whether it's Rosa Parks or whether it's James Meredith or Medgar Evers or whatever it is. But the crazy thing about it is, you know, that the, the, a society, a country doesn't progress unless unless you you confront those things that you've done. I mean, even in a country like Germany, which had a I mean, Jesus Christ, it's mandatory. It's, it's man- mandatory yeah, education yeah, mandatory. about the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, it's mandatory. And... There are probably, you know, with in the United States because Holocaust study has, you know, greatly expanded uh, in 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 many places right. where they have people who, you know, uh, were either survivors or people who were right. experts. Where our 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 children probably have more of a knowledge and understanding of what happened with the Holocaust than the generation prior. Than the generation prior, and and. Probably a lot more than what happened racially in our country, because you look at a yep. lot of the curriculum as I have in a lot of these schools, and um, it's a it's a non-starter. They don't want to basically talk yep. basically talk about it, and 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 I think what that does ultimately is basically it removes from the conversation a whole group of people whose plight and whose sufferings. Nobody wants to deal with, and that the 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 uh, uh, the social uh, construct of our country is basically based on that. It's based on you know the whole issue of reparations or the whole issue of That's affirmative there action. There it is. You don't need affirmative action. You don't need reparations. You don't need fairness and hiring or any of those things. If you posit the idea that basically. There really wasn't the discrimination that 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 truly happened. There wasn't the racism that the, that the slave masters were benevolent. All these mythologies that you put forward, so that when people say, "Well, we should have the social program," they say, "No, everybody was equal." Everybody was no, they had, they had a good thing. It's like. Uh, well, what was what did Ben Carson say? He said the, the the slaves came here for opportunity. opportunity. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> I mean it's. Right. It, it, it's mind-bending. It's no, mind. I, I, absolutely. I, I just... And I and I wish we, we could come up with a better better solutions than just sort of complaining about it. But I, I, I hear you. Um, I, I just think... 
I don't know. I think it, it starts with institutional reform that'll never happen as long as the people that have vested mm. interests in making sure it never happens stay in power. Yeah. Um, and I think when we start teaching CRT, when we start teaching things about, but when we start even offering the idea of reparations or equal mm. hiring, right? I think me and you and I have talked about it on the show before. Mm. Um, it just changes the composition of what people have expected as normal. Um, you come into the workplace and then your boss may very well be a black woman. You walk into the, mm. you walk into school and then your teacher could very well be a trans man or you walk in. Mm. And I think it's that sort of idea that it, things are changing and you may not see people that used to be subordinates mm. could now be in charge. Yeah. It's frightening. I think just frightening to the powers that be mm. for lack of a better oh, term. Um, so I, I think so much of that stems from uh, just almost jealousy of what now people were able to achieve that they couldn't, that it isn't just the white man's world mm. anymore. Mm. And maybe jealousy isn't the right word, that it's fear of what that yeah. could be mm. because they don't know what the results of a woman in power could be yeah, or the results yeah. of a black man in power could be yeah. they don't know um so i i think yeah i think maybe it's it's it is bringing more diverse bodies in and letting everybody know it's okay it's okay everything's fine if things are more diverse but but if there's so much vitriol there to begin with would that ever change yeah. anything hard to know well essentially inter- it's interesting that you say that lana because in the investigations of trump uh both in the georgia investigation with fonnie willis and the investigation by uh, the New York District Attorney. Right. Um, if I, I I can't imagine any any racial context at all. If both of those prosecutors were white, right? Uh, it's clear that it's clear that uh, uh, the race card has been thrown into this thing yes. uh, for reasons that really uh, belie the the underlying facts, which are overwhelming. Um, and it's inter- it's interesting. They had one Glenn Kirshner the other night. He was talking about, uh, you know, uh, all this uh, hate that's been thrown at these two people, the black man and the black woman. But really, none of that, none none of their work, would really be necessary, as Glenn Kirshner said, if the Justice Department had really done what they were supposed to, to do, do from the beginning. From the beginning, right? And now we're we're, we're going on we're, in, we're going on to year three here with this thing. <laughs> yeah. And they're bringing the guy, I mean, you know, the, the guy's, a, it seems like a good man, Jack Smith. They're bringing some guy in from the Netherlands. Right. Oh, wait. Because they can't, because they can't get anybody here to do what they need to, to do. do. So, they, so they bring him out, basically. Mm. And he's supposed to make everything right. But it's, it's, it's really ludicrous. It's really ludicrous. Right, you no, know, and I, you know, I see now... Um, that they're holding the jury till April 7th. I think there's going to be a recess in the co- in the case in New York. Right, recess, yeah. um, so we'll see what happens there. But I think we, we all need to be wary, man. Trump is on a roll. He yeah. has taken every interview he could possibly yeah. take. He is on every channel. He's hitting the ground. I mean, yeah. and I'm not, you know, obviously President Biden's got a lot on his plate and a lot to be doing. But man, oh, man, is this guy everywhere all at once. Yeah. Talk about that, right? It's just uh, I think he is trying to overshadow what is going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. in New York and Georgia by being as loud and as as rambunctious as he possibly can and we should all take note of what's going on here it's a lot of political posturing look at me look at me don't look at what's going on behind closed doors Um, so I think especially in the next coming weeks and and as that jury continues to deliberate after this recess we will see more and more of that guy on our screen and he will be more and more charming and the spray tan will be more and more even (laughs) Um, I'm I'm telling you right now I mean he is going to go on a a tirade in the coming weeks Um, and and I think it's working i mean i'm certainly i'm not someone that subscribes to right-wing media but i can't help but see him everywhere on my screen so yeah. i 
Well, Watch they, out. Well, uh, they cover them. Yeah. You know, it's like CNN. C- yeah. CNN had a lot to do with getting him elected. Oh, for sure. Because, because Jeff Zucker was connected to Trump. He was connected when he was working at NBC with The Apprentice. And he gave him quadruple time of any of the other candidates. And they legitimatized them. They legitimatized him. And, 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 and as they legitimatized him, he legitimatized the racism, the misogyny, all these other things. He said the quiet part out loud. He said the quiet part out loud. And now you have a whole bunch of people who are, who are laying low for many eons. And then he opened up the box. Right. And they all come out. I mean, Stuart Stevens, the Republican, uh, the Republican major domo, who was involved going back to, to Nixon and everything. Right. He says, it's race, he says. He says, that's all it is. He says, when you cut it down to the, to the bare essential, it's race and it's, it's people who don't believe that women should have any voice Correct. in anything. They want, they want a, they want a male-oriented, white-oriented uh, uh, ideology uh, where they control the roost and, and he came at the perfect time. He came, he came at the perfect time because the tides were turning. Yeah. You well, know, who were who were the two Demnoms? It was a black man and a white woman. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. the tides were turning when the Trump sort of kept coming. So yeah. I, I, I came at the perfect time. Couldn't have been any better than yeah. affirmative. You were starting to see more more people of color and yeah. more women in these spaces. And yeah, well, he, I, he I, answered I, the call. He Trump answered, answered the call, yeah, the quiet call. Yeah, I think, I think also uh, they were able to sell the idea that how could a black man like Barack Obama be in charge of the country? country yep. We can't allow this. This can't be, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it just grew from there. Stuck. It just grew from there. And and the president, our president Joe Biden, uh, you know, well intentioned, well intentioned man, but Joe Biden is not the kind of force that no. you, you that you need to meet a force like this. You need somebody. <laughs> Who you know, and the, and the uh, Democratic Party doesn't have that person. Well, they don't have it. And yeah. I am so terrified yeah. that he will win again, and yeah. he will win in a landslide. Yeah. That that when you say we, we don't have, that we know of that we know of. There may be people. There may be people out there who you know could uh, be up to the challenge. But again, it's a matter. Of, as we we were talking earlier t- tonight, it's a matter of money. You know, you have to, you're, you're talking about a, a minimum of a billion dollars yeah. to run It's crazy, right. but that's what it is because the people who would support Trump and support his ideology. Yeah, big money. It's big money. It's big, big, big money. money. It's, it's, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's Warren Buffett and not that he's backing Trump, but it's Warren Buffett. It's kind the, of money. Yeah. It's, it's his a, kind yeah, of people. It's, it's, and it's an ideology. It's an ideology that says that, you know, as I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again, um, he had a rough year, you know, and, and, you know, I feel bad for him. He's got all he's worth $100 billion or whatever he's worth, and he controls five of the major corporations. But it's what it is is basically it's a lack of, of uh, uh, either understanding or denying how the vast majority of people live. live. Yep. And it's, it's a lack of feeling any kind of social obligation to those people to or, those your people, or, or your neighbor or your yep that that you could, with with that wealth and all the things that you have 
what you, what you could do to make things better for everybody. And it doesn't seem to actuate in them. No. They don't all. seem they don't seem to be interested. It's going to be very interesting because uh there's going to be uh, uh you know the testimony of uh Mr. Schultz who was the uh you know founder of uh Starbucks and uh his his track record vis-a-vis treating employees and everything. You know, Amazon's another one, you know, yeah. and they don't care though. You see they don't care. And I think a lot of people have lost faith in the American dream. Because of it. Because of it, basically. Um, all right. So we hate to end these. God, we always seem to end these shows on such a sour note. But we do want to go ahead and plug our show for next week, which is going to be mostly women-focused. Um, we're going to try to have a conversation a lot more about women and surrounding women's rights. And um, we'll be sure to touch on some whatever has happened Um in the future um, for the past week. Um, We do want to just remind everybody that on ABC at 9 p.m. tonight, there's going to be a David Moyer special. Um, Oh, this is actually going to be tomorrow, Friday night, pardon me. Um, So we thank you all for listening in. Again, we always take email requests at wethel1 at unlv.nevada.edu, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to our show. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact us at wethel1, that's W-E-T-H-E-L-1, at nevada.unlv.edu, or to contact Professor Charles Stanton, contact him at C-H-A-R-L-E-S, that's charles.com. Stanton, S-T-A-N-T-O-N at UNLV.edu. See you you next time. time.